What is going on? It's Rock the Walls here on Adobe Radio. I'm your host, Patrick Walford. On this week's show, we'll be speaking with Pathetic, the drummer of Anti-Flag. Those guys are currently out on their 20-year anniversary tour, playing Die for the Government from front to back, alongside Real Big Fish, who's playing their album Turn the Radio Off, which also turned 20 years old last year. So we talk all about that, kind of, uh, you know, as he vividly remembers back to the recording experience of Die for the Government, as well as, uh, you know, the band writing new music, kind of their current issues in uh, their outlook on what is happening in the United States right now as we are a couple days away from Donald Trump being president. A whole lot more, including getting to a ton of awesome music from Anti-Flag. Hopefully you guys have been having a great week. For me, it just seems uh, like every single week I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week on top of doing uh, the band interview stuff, which is always fun. But it's always more fun when you can basically take your uh, your day job, myself for me, working at the airport, and combine it with your uh, not-so-day job, interviewing bands and uh, doing the radio stuff. So on three separate occasions this week, um, twice when I was, quote-unquote, on the job, um, I was doing interviews um, uh, while hoping and uh, really banking on the fact that uh, nobody's going to be calling me over the walkie-talkie on the radio at work at the airport. And for the most part, I'm not going to lie, it worked it pretty well. So uh, it's always good when that happens. And then uh, doing the live broadcast on Thursdays on Adobe Howell, uh, live right from the Toronto Island, with a perfect view, postcard view, really, of... uh, the Toronto skyline, which is always, always good times. That is full show. If you guys have not, be sure to follow me over on social media at Rock the Walls on Twitter and Instagram. And as well, you guys can subscribe to the Rock the Walls podcast in the iTunes search bar and uh, type in Rock the Walls. Hit subscribe and bam, never miss an episode. Last one went up just a couple days ago with Bless the Fall and Too Close to Touch. So definitely make sure you check that out. Before we get into our interview with Pat from Anti-Flag, we are going to get to the album title track to the record they're playing it on the road right now. It's Die for the Government on Rock the Walls. You gotta die, gotta die, gotta die for your government! Die for your country, that shit! You You gotta gotta die, gotta die, gotta die for your government! Die for your country, that shit!
listening to Rock the Walls here on Adobe Radio. I'm your host, Patrick Walford. Right now, we're joined by a band currently out celebrating the 20th anniversary of their record, Die for the Government, out with Real Big Fish, Ballyhoo, and direct hit, uh, Pew 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 Gunshots, going to be jumping on a little bit later. We're here with uh, Pat, the drummer of Anti-Flag. Pat, uh, how's everything going, man? It's actually now going to be the 21st year since the album came out in 2017, man, but... Uh, just uh, how's the tour been so far? You know, playing this album front to back once again. Well, well, it's been awesome, and uh, it's been fun to play some of these songs that we haven't played in a long time, and uh, yeah, to revisit these songs, and and it takes you back to the place you were um, when we recorded these songs and the people that were around us, and you know, it's um, in some ways it's all the same people, but uh, some of the names and faces have changed a little bit as we've gotten older. Yeah, uh, but it's interesting because it's. We actually recorded it. Yeah, it's funny because everybody's like, well, it's 21 years. And I'm like, well, for us, it's a weird thing because releasing a record is very weird because you put all that energy and effort into it long before the record actually comes out. So the release day is actually sort of a um, sort of a letdown because you're like, oh, I'm already over that. I'm working on the new thing yeah. now. But yeah, so it's always interesting. And the, the dates of, of records is, uh, is a weird thing for me. But but yeah, we're out here playing some uh, some songs from Die for the Government. It's awesome, and uh, Real Big Fish is doing their record, which is their 20-year-old record, yeah. and uh, approximately circa 20-year-old yeah. record. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. We've been having a great time. Now, uh, how exactly did it come about for both of you guys to kind of team up and do the, the 20 year together? Obviously, you guys have, uh, you know, toured with them and played shows with them at Warp Tour and various festivals over yeah, the years. Yeah, and, and it's, it's fun because as a band that's been around for as long as we have, you're always looking for different uh, people to play with and different uh, tours to be with. And and uh, this one just sort of came together. And um, yeah, as you said, we've done, uh, we've been on Warp Tour with uh, Real Big Fish. We did last summer, we did a, uh, a Pittsburgh show with them. And uh, and we've always gotten along really well. And we're like, hey, let's go out and do a tour in January and freeze our asses off. Why not? <laughs> let's go into Canada in January. That's fun. Definitely, man. Now, as far as it goes, just around the, the recording of the album for, for you guys and just for yourself specifically, can you, uh, you know, really vividly remember back to that time exactly when you guys recorded and whatnot? What, what was that experience kind of like? I mean, obviously, um, you know, 20, 20 years, uh, a lot of technology has yeah, changed yeah. within kind of how, how you record albums well, and whatnot. And, so. and it's interesting because uh, when we were young, we couldn't play very well. And so we couldn't use traditional studios because they were way too expensive because it took us a really long time to get what we wanted to get down. So what we ended up doing was, and it was the beginning of digital recording, was that we um, rented recording equipment from a local music store and we set up a studio in the bass player's um, house. And because if you rent the gear for a month, it costs a certain amount of money. If you have to go into a studio every day, every minute of that is, is the clock is ticking and you're spending money. And it was money that we obviously didn't have. So the rental of the gear was expensive, but it gave us a lot more time to, uh, to achieve closer to what we, what we were trying to achieve. So yeah, I'm very, I remember very vividly the recording process because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We were just hitting play and record and we were, running up and down the steps trying to set microphones in a place that um, that we thought might work but had no real idea what we were doing. Um, so in that sense it was a uh, an amazing thing that we able we were able to get as good of a recording as we were with the knowledge that we had and the yeah the skill set that we had. Um, we were just much like today we we're just people with a lot of passion and not a lot of ability and Sometimes, uh, if you have enough passion, you can ca capture something interesting. Yeah, definitely. Now, with that in mind, was that then you guys pretty much just played completely right off the floor as far as far as everything on the recording? No, no, we we were doing overdubs and stuff, and we were yeah, because there were we had 16 tracks. It was on video cassettes, is how it was recorded, and um, yeah, and the the tapes kept because uh, the the. Um, the actual medium of the video cassette is a really shitty recording device because when you go back and forth, because as we do, because we couldn't play very well, we were like, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again. So you'd go back and forth over the tapes and the tapes would deteriorate and then they would uh, break and it was all a mess. But um, 
but yeah, we we are never have been good enough to do one take and record it. We we record it, then we are like, okay, the drums are close. Let's uh, on that last take, let's put the guitars over this one, and then go back and forth and back and forth the whole time. Yeah. And and as a band, one of the things that we've always done is layered vocals, um, just because that's the kind of music that we've liked. We always uh, do a lot of gang vocals and things like that, and it's hard to um, to do that without layering vocals over top of them. And we were able to do that again because we had our we rented the recording equipment. And if we were in a studio, they would have been like, "Well, you don't have enough money to do." And we we're like, "Well, our friends are here. Let's put our friends in and around yeah. a mic and sing. And if it sucks, we'll get rid of it. And if it's great, we'll keep doing it." So we had that type of. Um, time, which allowed us to create the the sound that we have today. Yeah, definitely. Now, did did you guys ever expect you know the record to, to catch on like it did yeah, at that point? Absolutely I mean, not. we uh, I still to this day, to my detriment and my family's detriment, I'm like, well, we'll play we'll play for another tour, and then nobody will care anymore, and uh, and then I'll get a job at Seven Eleven or something like that. But. Um, people keep wanting to come out, and which is great for me because uh, being out and playing live is important to me. Not to actually play the show, but to meet the people who come out to the show and the activists and the and the people who are passionate about issues. And meeting those people every night definitely inspires me and keeps me feeling like a human being that that doesn't give up. And that's in the world we live in today where everything's so fucked up that uh, having that outlet of meeting people who are who still care and who are still passionate about uh, people and um, and passionate about things that aren't just themselves is is amazing and I, I, I at this point in my life I need that and it's I'm very lucky to continue to be able to play music to, to interact with those people for, for sure man and I mean just, just talking about, you know, the, the current issues and the stuff at hand today, I mean, it, honestly, you play this record front to back, and it honestly fits, like, pretty perfectly, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff going on today. It, so, I mean, and and that's, that is the blessing and the curse of, uh, of activism, is that these issues have been going on for millennia, and the inequality of rich and poor, the, the abuse of power by the powerful, the um, police, and the the um, the people who we put in power to protect us abusing the population all these things have been going on forever and it is and it and people are like well why do you keep talking about these issues if they continue to go on and the reason why we talk about these issues is because they have been going on forever and if we don't keep them in check they will become exponentially worse so we're never going to get rid of police brutality we're never going to get rid of economic inequality in the world we live in at this moment but we can keep it in check by making sure that people are watching the powerful all the time. And those things are very important. And it's not always anti-flag, it's not always, it wasn't always us, and it's not always going to be us or any, or bad religion or no effects. But there's always going to be a group of people who are going to be willing to stand up and say, hey, we need to keep an eye on these powerful people. We need to make sure that we are watching them and keeping them under control as much as we can and right now we have a president who or we will in three days or whatever ten days have a president who is um, needs to be watched continuously because he is a shitty just at base level is a really shitty person so uh, we have a lot of work to, to do in the next four years yeah, I definitely have to agree with that man I mean just as far as you know kind of kind of looking at some of the, the newer and younger bands coming up do you feel that there's and not enough bands out there kind of kind of talking about some of the issues that are going on today maybe is it just like a um something which i mean in my opinion this kind of sounds like a shitty reasoning yeah. for it but like they don't want to focus on the bad stuff they want to focus on the good you know what i mean i, I i've never felt it was anybody's responsibility to to create music in any particular way everybody needs to create music in the way that they it makes sense to them for us um talking about activism and politics and specifically leftist politics has always been something that we've been passionate about so that comes through in our music um, if you are passionate about puppy dogs and rainbows you should sing songs about puppy dogs and rainbows 
the only th- the worst possible thing is when you're not sincere about it and you love puppy dogs and rainbows but think that singing about politics and activism will make you uh, more successful and people can see through that bullshit and yeah. and it's and yeah so if you love puppy dogs and rainbows sing about puppy dogs and rainbows yeah. we will be back talking more with pat from anti-flag but first off of their brand new live album live volume one dropping next friday it is anti-flag death of a nation on rock the walls when all you need it Right now we are joined by a band currently out celebrating the 20th anniversary of their record Die for the Government out with Real Big Fish, Ballyhoo, and Direct Hit, uh, Pew 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 Gunshots, going to be jumping on a little bit later. We're here with uh, Pat, the drummer of Anti-Flag. Pat, uh, now uh, just for yourself and you guys obviously uh, dropping American Spring almost uh, two years ago at this point, are you guys... Uh, yeah, I'm cra- crazy. I tour after life. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure, man. So for you guys at this point in time, are you uh, working towards new music at this point? Yeah, uh, so we, uh, we've been writing some new songs. We've got uh, a couple songs in the works, and uh, yeah, we're hoping to have something out by the fall of 2017, which I guess is this year now. And um, so yeah, so we've been uh, between recording and we are just on tour in Asia and Australia and doing some touring and writing songs. Yeah, we have a lot going on right now, but we're hopefully the plan is to have a new record out by the fall of 2017. And while we're listening to this, I just want to let everybody know that we're sitting outside in Toronto, and the birds that are chirping are the birds that have uh, come in to roost in these trees and uh, are hanging out, and they're going to go to sleep here tonight, and hopefully they'll stay warm. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It was like I was saying to you before the interview, like, uh, uh, actually on, on Tuesday, it snowed probably about five to seven centimeters. Yeah. And by the afternoon, it was pouring rain outside, so all the snow just washed away type deal. And I, uh, I, I work down at an airport, and actually uh, we do, like, the, the ferry and the parking and stuff yeah, at the yeah. island airport. But our boss is, uh, has also put us in charge of, like, a snow removal. So every time it snows, it's like, oh, man. Uh, i got but, uh, more to do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell much. you that uh, um, because uh, just because we're trying to live frugally, as we always try to do in punk rock, I've been driving our touring vehicle um, and we were driving from Minneapolis to Chicago and then Chicago to Cleveland. And just the uh, driving in the snow, and it's been a challenge. The, nobody should tour in January. That's why uh, <laughs> nobody tours in January, which is good. Which is a good reason to go out because there's less bands around and people have, um, have a little bit more access to come to the show. But, uh, but January is not the best time to be touring. And I mean, especially like you mentioned, like a stretch like Minneapolis, Chicago. I mean, unless you made that drive, you don't know. It's uh, 
It's pretty yeah. shit for sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenging drive at 3 in the morning, and the trucks are blowing by you and, uh, yeah, blowing you off the road. It's, it's an unpleasant day. Yeah. yeah. Now, just as far as it goes with newer bands, you know, obviously on this tour, you guys have bands like a Direct Hit, uh, Pew 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 Gunshots, one a Toronto-based band. Yeah. But as well, a band like Ballyhoo, uh, for, for who's kind of been doing it for a while. I think actually one of the guys in that band used to do a show on our station. Oh, really? Awesome. Uh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, man. Uh, just as far as it goes for yourself, just uh, whether it's that kind of punk music or any other kinds of music that, that you're really uh, digging or have been into lately. Um... Uh... Well, yeah, Direct Hit and, and Ballyhoo have been awesome. I've really been enjoying uh, watching them play. Um, what other bands have I seen lately? I haven't seen that many bands because I've been on tour so much. Derek Zanetti, um, Homeless Gospel Choir, is a uh, band that we, it's a, a singer-songwriter, um, but we released him on AF Records, and uh, he's been doing some touring with us, which has been awesome. Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now of the other bands that, I, that I've seen that have been really amazing. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot more um, bands coming up now who have a social justice message with the world that we live in today. And, uh, and just as we came out of the basements in the, seven, in the 19, uh, mid-1990s, um, there's going to be a whole bunch of bands coming out of the basements in uh, 2016, 2017 who are really passionate about social justice issues and, and are going to be doing amazing stuff. And I can't wait to be playing with all those bands. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I can even uh, see like here in Toronto, you know, a lot of the smaller bands starting out. You know yeah. what I mean? You can see it coming. It's yeah. only a matter of time before, you know, more people yeah. uh, open their ears to it for and, sure. And, and with... Less with more people paying attention to phones and video games and things like that. It was very similar to the 90s where nobody cared about music. And because nobody cared about music, we created a community of, of musicians and activists who weren't worried about um, success in the way that um, bands in 2000 and, you know, in the early 2000s when music was really popular. Um, there was a different era of... Um, and a different uh, mindset of bands from the late 80s and early 90s that were looking for um, something different than the traditional forms of success. And uh, I think that's going to happen as well in 2016, 17. Yeah, yeah definitely for sure. And just, just from your standpoint, kind of, you know, being in a band at that point in time, obviously, you know, you're doing stuff over the telephone and like fax machines to yeah, confirm yeah. tour dates and stuff like yeah. that, whereas now... Everything is pretty much done electronically. I mean, uh, well, I'll tell you, this is a yeah. funny story. I, I don't know if this is where you're going, but I remember because we, I, we were one. I was one of the ones who was booking the tours, and uh, I remember the panic one night of as we were driving into Portsmouth, uh, Maine, and I had a panic, and I was like, "Is this address for Portsmouth, Oregon?" And I was like, "Oh my God, I'm completely on the other oh, side man. of the country." But luckily, it was the right address. But yeah, those types of things. Now you just put put the address in the GPS and you go, obviously, and people don't understand it. But, yeah, there was a, a completely different era of actually writing letters. Things moved slower where you were like, hey, kid in Portsmouth, uh, Maine, can we come and play a show in your town? And then having to wait for him to write back, him or her, to write back and say, hey, yeah, you can play a show in our town and um, and go through that process and calling people on the phone and book your own fucking life from maximum rock and roll. Yeah, these are things that don't exist, or they, they exist now, but they're in a very different place than they were in the 90s when it was much more hands-on. Now, having said that, I'm not one of those old people who are like, oh, back in the day it was harder and made it more real. Fuck yeah. that shit. It was hard. It sucked. Now it's easier and it's better. And it's just different than it was then. And, um, yeah, and kids can can connect better and information transfers better and it's so much better to get the message out now than it was then um because it's easier to communicate with people yeah yeah definitely 100 percent. i mean e even now i see you know when the smaller bands are announcing tours there's at least one date you know at whatever place ask a punk like yeah, for, yeah. you know what i mean yeah, that, yeah. that kind of stuff still because i mean j just kind of imagining that you know whereas now I mean, it, it, it's something that, that happens a lot to me on Facebook. I'll get a friend request, 
I'll confirm it. And literally within seconds of confirming the friend request, somebody is sending me a copy and paste a message being like, hey, like like my band, like check it, you know what I mean? It's a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit different yeah. in, in that way. But I mean, just as far as, you know, you guys going from town to town and not really knowing, you know, how, how big the band is, uh, you know, right, right across the states and whatnot. So, I mean, yeah. at, at what point, uh, you know, we're record labels kind of start call, start to come and take notice to you guys as kind of you turn more around. Yeah, it, it really, um, mo- for the most part, we released our records ourselves in the in the beginning. We would do it. We'd we'd have a show or something and put together some money and and manufacture a seven inch. And then, as we realized. Um, living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that nobody in Pittsburgh cares about music. So we realized that we had to travel. So we started to travel around to the different um, cities around Pittsburgh, Cleveland and Detroit and uh, New York City and Philadelphia and stuff like that. And we would play those cities, not because we thought that there was opportunity there for record companies or anything. We just, we just couldn't play in Pittsburgh every weekend when we realized that. So we started... Uh, to travel around and then ultimately um, Nikki Garrett from New Red Archives uh, uh, heard of our band and gave us a call and said hey I'd like to release your record which became Die for the Government and uh, yeah it was uh, it was a very interesting time in our band's life because um, it was that juxtaposition of this is awesome that somebody wants to release the record but then being told we were sold out because we were recording a record in in uh, in Pittsburgh for a record company from San Francisco, and it's just it was the trial by fire of all of that stuff. That when we were uh, 17 years old, we were told we were sellouts for releasing a record. Now we're whatever, and we're sellouts for doing whatever we're doing. And we and and that is a um, an interesting part of our punk rock community. But it's, it's a much bigger phenomenon of people who love something don't want other people to love it as well. And it's, uh, it's a really, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting phenomenon. But as an uh, angry punk rocker myself, I know the feeling and I hate sellouts as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, will th- I will throw the term sellout out with the best of them. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it's it's yeah. As an angry punk rocker, it's it's what we do. Yeah. Now now when when that started happening, you know, people saying you know your sellouts for releasing you know your record with yeah. a, with a label from California and whatnot. What would you say at like what point in maybe like the band's career, your own life, that it was just like, okay, I really don't give a shit what people are well, you know kind of saying about what, the band. Yeah, and and that this is the thing that you we as a band specifically have to sit down and and talk about each of these things and is this the right decision and for us it always comes down to in this environment are we allowed to say what we think is important to say and if we are allowed to say our message then we feel it that it's a it's a win for us if we're ever in an environment where they say well we don't want you to say this message then it doesn't matter what they give us or what uh, yeah what the benefit of it is if we don't get if we're censored in our message then it's not worth us being there and so we have to make those decisions every you know every day everything that comes into the into our world and say is this something that benefits the message and benefits our ideals or is this something that is too much of a compromise and censors our ideals and so some days we get it wrong but i think most of the time we get it right um in these in the decisions that we make and uh, just as far as uh, any reissues or anything like that with Die for the Government, are you, are you guys selling anything out on tour as far as like a vinyl? Or we, we do have we do have vinyl, the Die for the Government on vinyl. Um, we have a uh, Greatest Hits record which is coming out this uh, this month on AF Records. So, or it's not a Greatest Hits; it's a live record with a lot of our um, a lot of the hits on it. So, and it's got a really great booklet with it and some fun stuff. So. Yeah, there's there's some really interesting things that are coming out. Just as we look back a little bit at uh, our career um, in this little short space before we start moving forward and and commenting very aggressively on the things that are going on in 2017. We will be back to wrap things up with Pat from Anti-Flag, but first we get some music from them. It's Anti-Flag. This is the end on Rock the Walls. Seems every station 
Right now we are joined by a band currently out celebrating the 20th anniversary of the record Die for the Government out with Real Big Fish, Ballyhoo, and direct hit uh, Pew 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 Gunshots, going to be jumping on a little bit later. We're here with uh, Pat, the drummer of Anti-Flag. Pat, uh, definitely now. I mean, without maybe giving uh, anything away that you guys are writing about specifically yeah. or anything like that, what's one thing or a couple things right now? I mean, obviously there's a lot to be super pissed about, <laughs> you know, just... w- with what's going on in the States and whatnot, but what yeah. is... Uh, Something uh, maybe for you specifically that maybe not a lot of people are talking about that that you wish would have kind of uh, has become a bigger issue well, this it's, last it's, little bit. It's, it, so it's going to be interesting for us because where Anti-Flag is at its best is when it's talking about issues that are not necessarily in the mainstream. And the Donald Trump stuff is so in the mainstream, almost to the point of it becomes just noise. And the fact that he is a sexist and a racist is just sort of noise and nobody is offended by it anymore so it is going to be our task to find the things that are that are interesting to us and important to us to talk about that aren't already being talked about ad nauseum and that are not already become void in their meaning because there's there's so much discussion of it and so it's, it's going to be a bit of a challenge for us to find that balance of talking about issues that are important um, without just ringing the bell that everybody else is already ringing. Yeah. Um, but there's, obvi- there's definitely things there. It's just how to say it in a way that has it's interesting. Because at this point, everybody knows the guy's a jackass. Everybody knows the guy probably has women peeing on him. You know, that's not, a, that's not anything new um, or interesting. Uh, it's unfortunate that that's the case, but that's the reality in 2017. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. Even, obviously, um, we don't get, like, Fox News, but obviously we have, like, CNN, MSNBC, all that yeah, stuff yeah. up here. So we see um, a little bit or, you know, on social media, you yeah, see one everything. Of, one so. of the things that was, uh, and this is a bit of a pet issue for me, but one of the things that was very interesting to me is that CNN, um, when they're being bought out by... Time more are there? No, there's one of the major companies is buying them out. I can't remember who it is, but one of the things that was disclosed is that how much money is CNN is making, and why did CNN make so much money through this political season? And the executives at CNN said, "Well, we went really in on Trump early, and they thought that they could make a lot of money off of Trump because he was so ridiculous, but they did not." They, they believed that they had control of the message of Trump enough that once he got enough power, they could pull the rug out from under him and he wouldn't become elected. What they found is they didn't have that power. So essentially what they said was, the CNN executives said, is that we created Trump and now he is the world's problem. And that is pretty amazing to me that the this media outlet has admitted to the fact that they unleashed Trump on all of us by giving him free media coverage and allowing him to have a voice when he really shouldn't have had a voice. And the only reason why they gave him a voice is because it was economically profitable for them. And if we take that analogy and say, well, what if they had given a voice to Bernie Sanders or somebody who had something legitimate to say, we would be in a very different situation. But CNN decided that they wanted to put profit and make a king rather than, um, rather than do what was right. And when we live in a world where the profit is the driving force for powerful people to gain power or shitty people to gain power, then that we're going to end up in situations like this with really shitty, unqualified people being giving them a very powerful position that allows them to do horrible things to people and uh, that's the situation we're in right now so that to distill that into a punk rock song is going to be a challenge but there may be some space to do that yeah yeah i, I definitely agree and i think when when you watch this stuff it's it's very very easy to see who are the people who are you know what i mean speaking whether it's right or wrong from their heart yeah and the people who are literally just reading a teleprompter yeah. of whatever writers wrote for them, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's almost as if they're just, they're just actors. They're not, you know what I mean, uh, somebody with an opinion. And, and as with all media, we have to be aware, and this is Media 101, we all have to be aware of what is the, the motive for this media, um, this media organization. And in the States, the media's motive is profit, and that's their only motive. When you look at other places um, in different cultures the state runs the media and they want to maintain the power of their their federal or their government system so we always have to be very um, careful watching the media and realize that they all have a motivation and um, and to go off on another tangent if you apologize I apologize but one of the things that is very interesting is to um, to go to different cultures and watch the same news outlet like CNN in the Middle East or CNN in other countries in Europe has a very different news uh, position to make them profit within that country. So they are reporting the same events in a very different way because they know that the population that they're reporting it for will absorb it better in this way. So that means that the information is not pure. It is all being reported in a way that gives the company, in this case CNN, the most profit. And when you realize that, you realize that they're not in it for us to have the best government or the best um, culture that we could have. They're in it to make the most profit for them. And when they have that uh, position of having that much power, it's very scary for all of us. Hundred percent. Sorry, I went off on a no. political tangent there. I apologize. No, no. It, it's all it's all good, man, and honestly, welcome for sure. Now, um, j just for yourself, and uh, just uh, where anybody can pick up uh, any of the AF records and whatnot, uh, like AF records, like the the record label and whatnot. Um, uh, where would you like them to go for that? Uh, you can go to AFRecords.com and check out that, and there you can get there's the links for the the new uh, live record, Volume One, and. Um, yeah, and it's it's pretty awesome. We also have uh, there's uh, 
some other things going on. We've had we have uh, some burned flags pressed into the vinyl, which is pretty awesome. Um, to express our freedom of speech, because if you don't express freedom of speech, it, you don't really have it. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of fun things that are going on. So if you go to afrecords.com, it'll link to all those different things. And if you are interested in it, excuse me, any of the music, you can get it there as well. Yeah, awesome. And, and just as far as starting AF Records for you guys, what has that experience kind of been like? You know, obviously, you guys have dealt with majors, you know, yeah. major indies, uh, to just pretty much any labels. Uh, to now be doing it, yourselves and kind of uh, deciding what bands to sign, what records to release and whatnot. What's that like for you guys? It well, kind for of, us, uh, it was important because what we released our own records and once you learn that skill and learn where how to press a record, what you need to do to release it, where you get the jackets pressed, that the phone number of the pressing plant, you know, those basic things, um, then you can do that for anybody, whether it's your friends' bands or great band you heard uh, the night before and you're like ah this this band has got such amazing things to say how can we help them get that music out how can we help them get that message out there so and that's why we started AF Records because we just found so many amazing bands that we believed in that we wanted to help them um, have their message and their ideas get out beyond where they were at that moment so uh yeah, so it's it's an amazing experience because all of us are as as artists or activists are trying to connect with people, and if you can help that process of connecting those ideas with with uh, different people, then that's that's a, that's an amazing experience to be part of. First plans coming up for you guys after you wrap up this tour at uh, mid February. You guys so, going to be going into writing mode or touring a little after bit more? this tour? We're going to do some writing and recording, and then we go to Europe and do some uh, some shows and some festivals. Come home, write some more, record some more, then go and do for for a couple months or a couple weeks, and then go back to Europe for festivals. So just the normal anti-flag life of doing some touring, writing some songs, and uh, and trying to not hate everything in the world because it's so shitty here right now. Yeah. 100%, man. And uh, just uh, two last questions about the record. I have yes. to know, how many takes did you guys have to do of uh, Drink Drank Punk drink, drink. To, 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 get, to get the lyrics and the, the vocals 100% right? Was that something that... Literally um, took a long time. I, I don't remember, but I'm sure it took a million. I again, I the re recording process back then and even today is a very long process for us because we suck and we sucked even worse then. And it's very hard. We we have very um, thought out ideas, but to get the our hands and bodies to achieve that, and our mouths and our lungs to achieve those goals is very challenging. So I'm sure it took a million takes, and uh, yeah, and it's and I'm glad we did because now it's fun to play that song, and because uh, it's hard and fast and and gets straight to the point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember specifically how many takes, but I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just for you, uh, just a song on the record that maybe you might have even kind of forgot about a little bit that that you've been really enjoying playing on this on this uh, tour. Your daddy was a rich man. Is a is a one that. Um, that one I know was one take um, because it was intentionally, it was we intentionally tried to make it as stupid as possible, and um, so it's hard to recreate that stupidity <laughs> in in 2017 and make it connect. Um, so we've sort of streamlined it a little bit, but um, yeah, that's a song that uh, I'd forgotten all about, but I'm uh, I'm really enjoying playing now. And, uh, and it's very apropos in 2017 with what we're dealing with in the White House. Yeah. So it's very good. Well, Pat, thanks a lot for the interview, man. I really Thank appreciate it for awesome. your time. Thanks, Thank man. Thank you for the questions. They were well thought out, and I appreciate that. That's great. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And one of the things I like to do with the bands that I interview is I get them to choose uh, two songs from their catalog they want the listeners to hear. Okay. And then a song that you'd like to hear by uh, any band, any artist, any genre. Okay. I'm going to say... Um, uh, Let's go with your daddy was a rich man. Uh, we'll go deep on that, and then we'll—it's a short song, so even if most people turn it off, uh, it'll—it'll uh, be short. And then um, we'll then we'll do Brandon Burgate um, as the two songs from us, and then I will say, um, "Give me some truth" by Generation X. Yeah, man, sounds great, Pat. Thanks right. a lot, man, and stoked to see you guys tonight. Thank you.
There is some anti-flag on Rock the Walls. That is Brandenburg Gate featuring Tim Armstrong of Rancid off of their latest album, American Spring, which they dropped on their label AF Records in May of 2015. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I remember talking with uh, with Justin a couple years ago when they were about to drop that record, and we're talking about you know how the fact um, that Donald Trump was running, running for president was uh, pretty crazy and that we both knew that nothing would ever really happen or come of it. Um, but boy, were we wrong. So, uh, America, as I sit up here in Canada, you guys have fun with that for the next four years. We're going to try and help as much as we can. That's pretty much all I can say at this point. A very special thanks goes out to Pat from anti for joining me on the show this week. Join me next week as we talk with the guys in Vesta Collide, a great up-and-coming band signed to Stay Sick Recordings based out of Detroit, Michigan. Those guys are just getting ready to head out on tour with Curses, followed by Elisana. So we talk all about that and a whole lot more. Be sure to subscribe to the Rock the Walls podcast over on iTunes by searching Rock the Walls, clicking subscribe so you never miss an episode. And of course, follow me over on social media at Rock the Walls on Facebook and Twitter. I've been your host, Patrick Walford. You have yourselves a great night. And always remember to listen loud. <laughs>